What's going on, everyone? This is Jordan, one of the pastors at Renaissance, and super grateful to have everyone with us for our first uh, Renaissance online service. Uh, I was on the phone with the mayor's office this week talking about the importance of faith communities. And although for the purpose of stopping the spread, we want to encourage uh, social distance, we never want to have isolation, particularly not isolation from the things of God. Uh, There's something about a worship service that helps us to connect not just with each other, but also with God. So let me pray for us before we get into today. So God, our Father, you promised to meet us in the moments And Lord, I pray that uh, with so many things on our hearts and our minds, I pray that we're not looking backwards. I pray that we're not looking forward. But Lord, that we're able to meet you in this moment. Uh, God, speak to us, encourage us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what a week it has been. Uh, What a week it has been. I want to ask you guys a question. What do you do when there is nothing that you can do? that you find yourself in a circumstance or a situation, or in this case, under a national and international pandemic, that there's a lot of options out there, but there's not really anything that you can do to fix it, to solve it. There are things that they're encouraging us to do, to wash our hands, to be a good neighbor, to stay home if we're not feeling well. But what do you do as a Christian when there's absolutely nothing that you can do? Now, some of you maybe aren't as affected by the coronavirus outbreak. Maybe for you it's financial, and the way that this situation is unplaying, now it's putting you in financial jeopardy, and you have searched and thought about all the different options in front of you, but there's still nothing that you can do. Maybe it has nothing to do with this current time. Maybe it's relational, that you've tried 100 different options of all the things that you can do to work yourself out of a situation, and none of them are working. For other people, it's um, in your career or other things, but all of us in life find situations where we just have no idea what to do or we find ourselves with nothing that we can do to change something or to fix something, that this is the new normal. Now, one of the things I found to be true about my life is a quote from Barbara Brown Taylor, and she says, we do not lose control of our lives. What we lose is the illusion that we were ever in control in the first place. Sometimes life situations like the coronavirus or others, they remove from us the illusion that we were ever in control in the first place. Now there's three words that sum up the responses that I've gotten in my conversations for the past couple of weeks. And here are the words. The first one is overwhelmed. You just have a lot to process. There's so many things going on that you just feel overwhelmed at the end of the day. For me, it happened when the NBA was canceled, and I was like, all right, that was it. Now I, I feel hopeless and overwhelmed. Uh, the second word is just that. It's, it's helpless, that we're trapped in a situation where we can't do anything to change it, that despite your best efforts and intentions and cries and pleas, you just feel helpless. And the third one is a really powerful one that so many of us are fearing right now, feeling right now, and it's, it's fear. Now, I'd be lying to you if I said that this wasn't the one that speaks to me the most, uh, not out of fear for me and my own safety, uh, but fear for my parents. My parents live in New Rochelle, which is one of the epicenters of the coronavirus in New York State, and their house is actually in the area that's quarantined by the National Guard, and they belong to the population, mom and dad, I'm not calling you old, uh, they belong to the population of people that are elderly, that are most susceptible to really serious 
uh, injuries and potentially even death from this coronavirus. And I've just found myself being afraid this week. What do you do when you're uh, overwhelmed, helpless, or afraid? Now, here's what normally we do. We, we start to worry. And I have a PhD in worrying. Um, and to be perfectly honest, I'm probably the least qualified person on the planet to talk to anyone about worrying and not worrying because it's something that I do so often. I've talked about my journey personally with counseling and therapy. And years ago, my therapist diagnosed me with general, general anxiety disorder, which basically means that I have a really wild imagination when it comes to worry. And it's one of the things that I really need Jesus to shepherd me through. So whenever I'm feeling overwhelmed or helpless or fearful, I tend to go to worry. And fortunately for us, even though I'm not qualified to talk about worry, uh, Jesus is. And Jesus thought worry was such an important topic that he spent a major section of one of his most famous sermons called the Sermon on the Mount talking about this concept of worry and how we respond to situations where we're feeling overwhelmed, helpless, or fearful. In that Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us four reasons that you should never worry for one more second for the rest of your life about anything. Jesus says, first and foremost, that worry is unreasonable. It's illogical. It's unreasonable. It doesn't make sense. In Matthew 6.25, Jesus says this, Don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, or about your body, what you wear. Is not life more important than food? Is not the body more important than clothes? Jesus, first and foremost, says that worry is not logical. It's unreasonable. And here's why it's so unreasonable. Uh, The first is that worry always exaggerates a problem. Never in the history of your life have you started to worry about a problem, and by the time you were done worrying, it felt smaller to you. At the end of the time that you worry, it always, always grows, many times grows exponentially. Part of that is a psychological phenomenon called writing the script where once we start to worry about a situation, what happens is we start to write out a script of all the things that could happen, might happen, and by the time it's all said and done, we believe those things will happen. Now, we're not in control of life, so we don't know how things are going to go, but I do know this one thing for sure. It's not going to go like you think it is. So worrying about a situation is always going to exaggerate it, and that makes it unreasonable. Second thing that Jesus says about worrying is that it's unnatural. Worrying is not natural to you. This is why it feels uh, like it, it adds stress and, and chaos and aches to your body. Um, and it's unnatural because we are the only creatures in all of God's creation that worry. Birds don't worry. Cows don't worry. Dogs don't worry. Cats don't worry. Worry is something that is unnatural. In Matthew 6, 26, Jesus picks up on this and he says, Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you much more valuable than they are? He's saying that in all of of God's creation, in the entire universe, only human beings worry, animals don't worry, plants don't worry, but yet we're the only ones made in God's image. Now, here's one of the bigger reasons about worry that it's uh, so important for us to talk about. Because it's unnatural, it's also unhealthy. It affects us negatively, not just personally in our own mental health and our own emotional health by bringing in chaos and stress and anxiety, but it also harms us in our relationships. That that same worry, if not 
uh, transformed by God will be transmitted to other people. Um, so worry is unnatural. The word worry actually comes from an old English word that means choke. Uh, it means to strangle or to choke. And that's where worry comes from. Jesus is saying every time you worry, you're strangling or choking life out of your life. As one proverb says, an anxious heart weighs a man down in Proverbs 12, 25. The third thing about worry that Jesus says, it's, a, it's unhelpful. Jesus says, which one of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Think about all the hours you will live. Think about all the things you will do in these hours. Jesus says, which of you, by worrying, can add one single hour to your life? You can't. It's unhelpful. Now, there are things in life that we can do, and if we can do something about your situation, do it. If you can solve this coronavirus pandemic, stop watching and do something about it. But if you can't, replacing that lack of ability to do something with worry is uh, nonsensical because worry is unhelpful. Jesus gives us very clear language that worrying adds absolutely nothing to any situation. Now, when you're worrying about something, it feels good because you feel like you're contributing something, like you're accomplishing something, but in reality, it's just like drinking salt water. All it's doing is making you more thirsty. So Jesus says that worry is unhelpful. None of us can add even an hour to our life by doing it. Now, the last thing that Jesus gives us a reason why we should never worry about anything is that worry is, it's unnecessary. God says, what in the world are you worried about? Don't you think that I'm going to take care of you? Don't you think that I'm going to meet your needs? I made you. I created you. I saved you. I love you. I put my spirit inside of you. Don't you think that I'm going to take care of you? I am not going to leave you or forsake you. In Matthew 6 and 30, Jesus says these words, and every time I read them and think about the magnitude of what he's saying, it brings tears to my eyes. In Matthew 6 and 30, it says, if God cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he most surely take care for you, O oh, you of little faith? When I hear those words, uh, I hear those last phrases, O oh, Jordan of little faith, O oh, you of little faith. If you look at all the way that God cares for the birds and the flowers of the field, it's here one day, gone the next. Won't he care for you? Worry is unnecessary completely. What Jesus is getting at is less about what we're worrying about and more about our struggle to trust. Worry is a sign that something is wrong internally in our formation. And uh, when we hit circumstances that are so challenging with no way in and no way out, and when we go to worry, it shows us something that all along had been off. Now, here's one of the most profound things about people. It's true about me. It might be true about you. When we hit situations like this, in some ways, certainly not in all ways, in some ways, they are a gift to us because they show us what had been going on beneath the surface for so long. It's not now that Jordan is stressed and anxious because of a situation. I had had that lack of trust in God and his care for me all along. But this situation is digging this up in me, and it, it would do us very well to make sure that we are giving it uh, attention and spending some time with it. So if worrying is such a terrible idea, then what should we do? Uh, in 1 Peter, there's a scripture that gives us uh, an answer, a reason to go about life in a much better way than worrying. It's in something called prayer. 
Now, one of the things I found in my own life is that it takes a whole lot more than willpower to stop worrying. You can't just say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to stop worrying. That's it. I heard this first part of the message. I'm going to cut it off now. That's right. Jesus says I shouldn't worry. I'm going to stop doing it. Uh, worry is not something that we can just stop doing. We need to replace, uh, put something else in its place, uh, a healthier way of dealing with our feelings, with our emotions. Because here's the thing that I know to be true. A lot of us, when we encounter negative emotions like fear, uh, being helpless, or being overwhelmed, a lot of times we try to push those things down because we don't have too much comfort with negative emotions. So we try to push them down, pretend they don't exist, or drown ourselves in something else, distract ourselves to do anything but have to deal with what's going on internally. That is never going to be a good recipe for, disaster, for success. Uh, in your life, your feelings are an amazing indicator of what's going on. Now, we've talked over and over and over again that feelings are a terrible guide. They should never be the thing that you let guide your life, but they are an indicator of what's going on beneath the surface in your life. So we don't want to bury these emotions. What should we do with them? Uh, we should take them to God in prayer. So in 1 Peter uh, 5 and 7, the Apostle Peter says these words that I, I challenge you to memorize and to repeat all week. He says this, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I'm going to repeat, I'm going to repeat that. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, a little bit of the context in which Peter writes this, uh, Peter wrote this letter to a group of Christians who were being persecuted under a man named Nero. Nero was the Roman emperor, and he hated Christians. At the time Peter writes these words, Nero had been killing Christians by the hundreds. They were being executed. They were being fed to lions. Uh, they were watching their friends and family members die. And then Peter, in the midst of all of these things happening to them, has the nerve to tell them to cast all of their cares on God, to cast all their anxiety on God because he cares for them. Now, if those words were suitable for those group of Christians, I think that they are suitable for us now. So what is Peter saying to us today? Uh, the Greek translation of that text literally says this, all the anxiety you have cast on him because he cares for you. The way that the original readers would have heard this is, is this. All of the anxiety that you have, cast it on him because he cares for you. So all of the anxiety that you have, and I mentioned a little while ago that we should never pretend or ignore our emotions, but we should take that emotion, take that anxiety we have, and instead of trying to suppress it, we should cast it and bring it to God. Now, the best way to release this is through prayer. Um, now, in, in this past week, um, I've had a lot of challenges just in anxiety and thinking, Lord, how do I lead a church through a national, international pandemic? And I was having so much anxiety that I was calling friends and trying to get good advice. And I was uh, annoying Jessica, my wife, like crazy. And then finally, uh, she grabbed me by the, the collar and gave me a good slap across the face and said, get it together and go pray. And those words and that moment of taking all my anxieties to God in prayer was the thing that led me this past week to having a semblance of peace, of a release of all of my anxiety, not pretending that they don't exist, but taking all of my anxiety and bringing it to God. Now, in these moments, I say, God, this is your church. These are your, uh, my parents, these are your, this is your son and your daughter. You love them. 
and you promise to care for them, and you promise to lead them, you promise to lead me, and I take all of my anxieties and I casted it on him. Now, I, I don't know exactly what happened in that moment. I can't tell you with precise theological language that happened, but I can tell you the effect of what happened on me was I just felt lighter. I just felt like I was taking the weights off of my shoulders and I was putting them on God and I was acknowledging that, God, I am not capable to do anything with this. I can't change the situation. So you know what, God? You have to do something about it. And until you do something about it, nothing will get done. So the first thing that Peter says is all the anxiety that you have, cast it on him. Now, the second thing which is really important is that we cast our anxieties on God, not on other people. We have to find the right audience to cast our anxieties on for two reasons. Number one, other people don't have enough inside themselves to bear the weight of all of our anxieties. Uh, Most of us, we have friends, we have loved ones who might be listening ears to us, but at some point, they're going to hit the end of themselves and you can't cast all your anxieties on them. Uh, The second piece, which is really important about this, is why we need to cast it on the right people uh, and to cast our anxieties on God, is if we don't spend time truly casting our anxieties uh, to God and taking all of our anxieties and and casting them to to God, then we're going to end up bleeding on people who didn't cut us. We're going to end up pouring out and dumping out on people in sometimes negative ways on situations and when people aren't even at fault. I remember years ago when um, my brother had been in college and he tore his ACL playing basketball, and I was about, uh, I think I was a senior in high school, and my cousin and I went, went with my brother to Blockbuster, and this is how old we are. This is when you had the VHSs and DVDs at Blockbuster, no Netflix, nothing like that. And we got to Blockbuster, got the DVD for the night, My brother was super sore from having his ACL surgery, and all he looked forward to the whole day was watching a movie, eating some popcorn. We get home, put the DVD in, and it is scratched. So scratched that we can't even watch it, it's skipping, so we had to go back to Blockbuster. My brother insists on going with us to Blockbuster, and he gave this 14-year-old cashier the worst night of her life. He gave her a good talking to, and started to, you know, ask her questions like, what kind of person are you that gives someone in my condition a terrible DVD? Who, who would do that? He ended up bleeding on someone who didn't cut him. That little girl had nothing to do with his night being ruined or his knee being messed up. What he had in himself was a whole lot of pain and a whole lot of anger that he had pushed down, and now he was pushing it off on the wrong person. God is the only person who can take the totality of your anger, your anxiety, Now, here's one thing that a lot of Christians, and especially the super Christians, believe. We believe that we always need to give God, uh, in our prayers, a sanitized version of us, as if God cannot handle the real us, as if God cannot handle the real emotions. God made you exactly who you are. God knows everything in your mind, your heart, your soul, your spirit. God made you to have anger. He made you to have sadness, to, to have frustration. He made every single aspect of you, but yet, sometimes in prayer... We limit ourselves to give God a sanitized version of ourselves. Don't do that. Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The third thing we see in the scripture about what Peter is telling us to do is to cast our anxieties, not continue to weigh ourselves down with more. 
Now that word cast in the Greek is like to, to take and to throw something as far as you can. Uh, think about it like if you go fishing and you take the rod and you flick out and you cast the, the bait out into the water. It's throwing it forcefully in the opposite direction of you. What I would hope that you guys do this week is to truly commit to put up really good boundaries to make sure that you are not weighing yourself down with more anxiety from whatever source it is. It could be a text thread of someone who's sending every single article about every single doom and gloom scenario. You should be informed, but you should not be buried in anxiety. You need to put up boundaries. For some of you guys, you need to get off of social media for a couple of days, follow Renaissance's stuff, but nobody else. Uh, you need to get off of social media for a couple of days and make sure that you're not being weighed down more and more by other things. It's telling us to cast our anxieties, not to take more on. If there is a source of anxiety for yourself right now, if you can limit that in a good, healthy way, you should limit that. Now, some situations that we're in, uh, we can't reduce our, their impact on us. If you're a parent of a small child, you can't tell your little one-year-old, hey, mommy is really tired right now. I'm going to need you to go in the other room for a couple of hours and give me some time. Uh, but to the extent that it depends on us, we need to make sure that we're not weighing ourselves down with more things. And the last thing, which is more important than anything else, we need to remember that God cares for us. God cares for us. God doesn't care about you. God cares for you. My prayer is that we would take these words to heart, that God cares for us. Now, in moments like this, sometimes we need to recognize that we just misunderstand God as distant or uninterested or uncaring for us. And if we would ever have those suspicions, then just know that the people who followed Jesus most closely while he was alive and walking around on earth, they also felt the same frustrations and fears. Uh, there's a scripture in Mark 4 where Jesus and his disciples are on a boat. And Jesus says, come, let us go to the other side. And his disciples and Jesus journey from one side of the sea to the other. Halfway through in the middle of the journey, there's an amazing and huge storm that starts to swell up. The boat is rocking back and forth and the disciples are terrified. And your boy Jesus is downstairs taking a nap. His disciples run up to Jesus in Mark 4 and 37. They say, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? The first thing that they question Jesus on is his care for them. And they believe that the presence of the storm equaled a lack of care for them. And here's what I want you guys to know. The presence of the storms in our life, the situations that make us feel helpless, fearful, and out of control, do not negate God's care for us. Jesus again rose and said, O ye of little faith. What Jesus is calling us to is to walk by faith and, and not by sight to trust him in his words, in the way that he leads us, to take God's words to heart, to say, God, you care for me. In moments like this, sometimes it's difficult to believe. And uh, I want to end today by inviting you into a moment where you can cast your cares on God because he cares for us. In Anne Voskamp's book, 1,000 Gifts, uh, she shares her journey as she tried to understand the death of her sister, who was killed by a truck when she was just two years old. In the end, she said that the primary issue wasn't what happened, it was whether or not she can trust in God's character, that God truly could care for her. 
Her question was, is God really loving? Is he really just? Here's where her conclusion was to lead her to the decision that God cared for her and that she can trust his character. She says, God gave us Jesus. If God didn't withhold from us his very own son, will God withhold anything we need? If trust must be earned, hasn't God unequivocally earned our trust with the bark on the raw wounds, the thorns pressed into the brow, your name on his cracked lips? How will he not graciously give us all the things he deems best and right? He's already given us the incomprehensible. Uh, she picked up on Paul's words from Romans 8, 31 to 32, where he says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? So I want to invite us to cast our cares on God right now. Maybe you haven't prayed for a couple of days. Maybe worry has plagued your heart. Wherever you are, I invite you to spend some time right now casting and taking your anxieties and throwing them on God. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit that I often forget that you are with me. I often forget what you are like. Dear God, my mind can hardly fathom the depth of your love for me. So when my anxious heart feels suffocated with the mounds of worry that this life can bring, I only know that I can come to you. You who knows every hair on my head, you who flung the stars into space, you who plans every step that I take, when my, when my worry mounds and builds, escalating to numbers that exceed my expectations, you ask me to relinquish my cares to your hand, the hand that created me, the hand that created the starry night sky, the hand that holds my future. Would you give me the courage, the courage to trust you wholly? Would you give me your peace that calms all fears? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hi, my name is Lester, one of the pastors here. Um, we want to stay connected with you, so please uh, continue to follow us on Instagram. Uh, please subscribe to our YouTube, and you can just check all those things on our website as well. That's just our way of just staying connected with you, so please follow us. Uh, and just lastly, but not least, we just want to bless you and just send you off with a benediction. So please just follow along. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ bring you his peace that surpasses all understanding to your heart, to your mind, and to your soul, and to your everyday life as you look up to Jesus and are reminded of, his, of this incredible gospel truth, that the reason he came down from heaven above was to rescue you from your fear, isolation, and separation from the life-giving love of God the Father. And may the inexhaustible, life-giving love of God the Father grant you strength and comfort to know that he not only cares about you, but he cares for you, evidenced in this all-dropping demonstration of love when Jesus was separated from the love of God to make sure that we would never, ever again be separated from his love. And may the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit, who is our eternal deposit and security from God, to remind us that we would never be left alone again, grant you the confidence to know that he welcomes you and wants you to cast all your cares upon him. And may he also grant you the strength and compassion to share the care of, to share the, care of the love of God to those around you. To him and him alone be the glory and honor and power forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace.